Dirty Panties podcast contains explicit discussions of sexuality and is not recommended for listeners under the age of 18. Welcome to Dirty Panties podcast. I'm your host, Venus Valentine. Every episode, we talk to a different guest and ask them the same 10 deeply personal questions about love and sex, encouraging them to air their dirty laundry. Our guest this time is Benita Applebaum. This is part two of my interview with Benita, so if you haven't listened to part one yet, I really recommend that you listen to that episode first. Shall we begin? Okay, next question. And this was inspired by an episode of Broad City. So someone or someones who are gross and or problematic that you secretly would fuck. And why? (laughs) I have been thinking about this question for fucking days ever since I, love it. <laughs> I knew you were gonna ask it because I think I, what my knee-jerk reaction I want to I want to kind of visit what happened when we were just DMing about this uh-huh. uh, my knee-jerk reaction I think I said something like oh no not for me like that's for other people but not for me I, other people um Alana and Abby might fuck a problematic person but I never would fuck a problematic oh, person no, everyone would fuck a problematic oh, absolutely. person absolutely everyone it only took a, a little bit more messaging for me to just admit that I totally would fuck certain war criminals. <laughs> like <laughs> We all have different measures for what's unacceptable. And I think when I said that, I was thinking of people who would truly be un- unacceptable for me. I specifically want to mention Gavin McInnes. Uh, the, the guy who started the Proud Boys, you know, he's got like the beard and the fucking Proud Boy wax swoop hair. And there was a while there where everybody really was into like the pointy beard, you yeah, know, that and was such a hipster aesthetic. Yeah. Yes. A few years back, all these fucking friends of mine, cis white women were sharing pictures of Gavin McInnes talking about how hot he was oh, and how they bang him and shit. comfortable. Yeah, and this is like right after he had been like kicked off of some talking head, you know, news show for just berating one of the female correspondents there in a horribly sexist and racist way. She was an Asian oh. female correspondent and he had just laid into her and that's the situation that had brought him into the public consciousness. Sure. And all I saw it in my white homegirls was oh my god he's so hot oh my god he's so hot and this was back when I didn't really have any tact and so I would comment things like you know if you piss him off he would beat the fuck out of you or something yeah or like you're not wrong (laughs) yeah you know if you if you were hanging out with me he would you know drop in bombs on me and tell me to get I think that we all have our own different levels of what's acceptable and I think that's a perfect example Gavin McInnes might make one of my homegirls weak in the knees but he just makes me look for a knife or a gun He makes me want to call my lawyer. But let me get into my problematic crushes. I just used to want to climb Janet Reno like a tree. Oh, man. There's just something about like a large and in charge bitch. I loved her. She was that. Yeah. Yeah. Those pearl earrings, that red lip, just telling terrorists, you know, like, I'm like, we are going to fucking execute you, Timothy McVeigh. I dug dug her. I dug the shit out of her. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think that Um, brings out my more submissive side, actually, like a powerful woman like that, where um, I'm like, yes, daddy, like. Absolutely. (laughs) Who's that lady, Veranos, with the deep voice? 
Yeah, uh, Elizabeth, what's her name? I think women look so amazing in turtlenecks, and she had the thing for the black turtleneck. And I really hate capitalists, and I really hate people who exploit their workers, but I want to bite that turtleneck off of that lady. Oh, my God, her titties sit so beautifully in that turtleneck. I'm oh, sorry, I can't. Elizabeth Holmes, honey, your titties sit right that, in the turtleneck. And that deep, that deep voice. Yes. And then she had that weird sugar daddy relationship with that guy that she, she hired to be the enforcer at her agency. Like he was like in his thirties and she was 18 and he was flying her to Paris and shit. Yeah. Like, God, I wish I could find the sugar daddy. Sugar daddies are like a whole... I have a homegirl who gets, um, who, who has sugar daddies. I like, I, I used to always wonder like, damn, why doesn't homegirl ever have a job? It's, it's like, a but she owns hustle though. Yeah. She does sugar daddies and I need her to tell me her ways, man. Apparently, you know, here in Athens, a lot of, a lot of it happens over in Atlanta. You have a lot of people, you know, the, the film industry is very big in Atlanta. Sure. So you have a lot of people who live there during certain parts of the year and, the ladies eat good. I would love a sugar daddy. I'm all about it. I really but you need... know what the problem with sugar daddies, the problem with sugar daddies is they're dudes who want a sex worker, but they want to pretend it's like you're their girlfriend and they're just being generous and they're not actually hiring an escort. And so I often see. you make less money and they're like real high maintenance. So it can be. But uh-huh. I just remembered my number one problematic oh, shit. crush thing. Okay, tell me. So I really want to mention this one. I think that my most problematic crush is just the fact that I really want to go to Mount Athos, which is a this private peninsula in Greece that's covered in like thousands of years old monasteries. I want to fuck everyone there. There is something so appealing to me about there's an island with thousands of men on it who have never seen, who have not seen a woman in like years. That is, that's there's hot. something really appealing to me about monastics, about hermits. Yes. Um, people who segregate themselves from society. There's a literary trope called like the priest and the whore or something like that. Yeah, it like that's the trope of season two in Fleabag is you have the the priest oh, yeah. and you have that was so intense and I like related to that. Like that was like yeah. me too. Yeah, I would totally. Mm. Yeah, I have a big thing for priests. It's kind of like the forbidden. Yes. I lived in Japan for four years and I went to the Zen temple to like do some meditation and all the priests were wearing, there were all these like hot young dudes with shaved heads, like beautiful young Japanese men. And they wore these like black and white kimonos that had all these layers and they were just like really beautiful. So we sat in this big old Japanese building, like sitting cross-legged and meditating and they had a stick and if you were having trouble focusing, you would raise your hand and they would come with the stick and they would hit you on your shoulders. What? Yeah, because the idea was that it was supposed to like snap you into focus. Ah. Uh, but I kept being like sticking up my hand, sticking up my, I'm like, I want this, I want this really hot monk to beat me. I like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm enjoying this way too much. Like it was, I was like, it, it was making it harder to focus because I'm kinky. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, oh my so god i'm 100 with you and some nuns i want to fuck some nuns too yeah yes i recently um there's this uh collection of i don't know someone took an oral history of um lesbian nuns i ran into Ooh. this book recently that is just all these interviews with lesbian nuns some of them still live some of them actually still live on monasteries or live in abbeys and whatnot but most of yeah. them are most of them have left the cloistered life and now live amongst people but they did interview a few nuns who identified as lesbian 
Americans who were still living a cloistered life. It's fascinating. Like part of me, like, yeah, sure, banging would be nice. But part of me wants like, while we lay in bed, please tell me about this lifestyle of yours. What makes you like you are so comfortable in your skin as a queer person, but also you are drawn to this uh, secluded life. You're spiritual lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. You want to spend your life in prayer. And, you know, what monastics believe is that they, you know, it's a form of penance. They're praying for all of our souls. The way they look Mm -hmm. at sequestering themselves is that they're doing it for all of us. It's this act of love for all of us. And that, I think, the sort of squishy romantic part of me is really touched by that. So it's like, oh, little nun baby, you're up there praying all day for me. Let me go down on you. Like, what's up? (laughs) Well, I think before capitalism, apparently I, I took a sociology class where like gay identity as opposed to gay behavior, like, you know, that, that identity of being queer or being gay did not exist prior to capitalism because it was, you know, the economy revolved around having a family unit and then working a trade. So, you know, people were having gay sex, but you couldn't just be like, I'm gay or lesbian because you couldn't just get a job and live on your own and do your thing. You were part, you had to be part of a family. So I think historically gays and lesbians and, you know, whoever, people a little on the the fringes would become monastics because that was a place where they didn't have to have be heterosexual and produce children. So there is a whole history around that. Oh yeah, there's absolutely a historical like I'm so turned on by hermits and monastics that I love to read read and research about hermits and monastics and that is it's fascinating yeah that is something that I've run into exactly what you said like a lot of queer persons in the past you know you went to the nunnery you went to the abbey some of them were even able to live lives that some of us would be envious of you know sure Um, I mean when I I think think about like the Trappist monks who just like make beer all day fucking hey like that sounds like a pretty dope lifestyle to be like on some mountain in Europe, like making cheese and beer and chocolate, yeah. whatever the fuck they make. Like, I'm just like, it's amazing. That sounds kind of great. <laughs> like, yeah. And you get to drink with every meal. You get to walk around all day with in a your light pajamas. Yeah. In your pajamas, praying for everyone's souls. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like what quarantine is like, though. So I'm making a lot of bread in my pajamas and I'm all alone. So, and I'm enjoying it actually. <laughs> okay. Is there anyone you wish you could unfuck? And that's like a person that like at the time you were like real down to fuck them or like excited to fuck them. But then like after the fact, you're like, "Mm, shouldn't have done that. Uh, Yes, (laughs) absolutely. I would like to unfuck a coworker. I made at your current job or previous job, previous job. I, that was another life lesson moment. I made the tremendous mistake of sleeping with someone that who I had no choice, but to see afterwards. I really don't want to get into like the mashed potatoes of all of it. No, that's fair. I think that if you're going to have sex with people, you really have to, you really have to be okay with the type of relationship that you're going to have with them. You have to accept the circumstances in the sense that I don't know, I don't know what made me think that banging a coworker was just going to be this okay thing. I never had any intention of leaving that job. They never had any intention of leaving that job. I don't know what made me think that that was okay. The whole thing just exploded in my face in the worst way possible. It was life changing. It was life changing. Now my life is great. I'm really happy with my life. My life wouldn't be my life if it hadn't gone, if things hadn't happened in this way. And I had been sort of vacillating on whether or not I was going to say this one because 
I love my life. This is my life. It's great the way it is. That fucked up shit sometimes really shapes you into like the person you are in a good way. It's just yeah. life lessons, you know? Yeah, it just hurt. It hurt. It really sunk when it happened. I almost said that I wanted to unfuck whoever gave me HPV. That was years ago now. Um, it wasn't as horrible of an experience. I ended up learning a lot about my body and about STDs. I sure. wasn't as informed as I thought I was when that happened. I burst into tears. I remember, and I talked to you because you thought you were going to like die. And I was like, look, there's a whole episode of girls about it. You watch it and you're like, I hate these white women. And I'm like, I know, but I'm just trying to show you that it's really common. Yes, I did. I I watched I watched that episodes of, of Girls. I thoroughly decided that I hated those bitches, but also I really did like that episode because she had a very similar reaction to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, There's in the- enough education about it. Yeah, and in the end, it just like, it was nothing in, in the grand scheme of her life. I think there were some other big sort of conflict or thing that happened by the end of that episode i think uh, storytelling wise they, you know that happens to sort of show you hey like this isn't the end of the world 70 percent of people out here have hpv yeah so okay i have a master's in public health so i have a whole spiel about hpv oh. but like yeah that show is really problematic but i think that episode was really helpful as like a yeah. covert women's health message Yes. about the normalcy of HPV. And for me personally, I'm 40 now. And uh, the vaccine came out when I was 26. And you had to be under 26 for insurance to cover the vaccine. And also, once you've had a certain number of partners, you pretty much have it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I always tell people, like, make sure that if you have a kid, whether regardless of their gender, make sure that you vaccinate your kid. I know people are anti-vax, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I'm very woo-woo, but I have a master's in public health. Vaccines save lives. Um, yes, get your do. kid vaccinated for HPV. The good news is they have tests now where it used to be they would just detect HPV and they would cut a chunk out of your cervix and do a biopsy. Now, that's what I, I went through when I was in my early 30s. That's what I went through was horrifying. Now they have tests that that tell you what strain it is without having to do the biopsy. So it takes a lot of the guesswork out. And if you are not vaccinated, get your pap smears done regularly. That's how it's you catch cervical cancer while it's early enough to treat it. But if you do get a positive HPV test, like there's something like 120 strains of HPV. A couple of them cause warts. A couple of them cause cancers. The ones that cause warts don't cause cancer. There's so little information. Mm-hmm. So I always try to destigmatize HPV and herpes because like... A lot of people have it. More people have it than realize they have it. And it's not the end of the world. There's medication to manage herpes. And most strains of HPV are not going to cause cancer. And if you do have a cancer strain, you just keep an eye on it. And you make sure it doesn't get bad. Yeah. I'm just I'm just <laughs> giving my little public service announcement as a sex educator. I feel like it's just if we don't talk about this stuff, then people don't know. Like when you were so yeah. terrified that you were going to die because you had, you know, a positive HPV test. And I was like, no, I've had a positive. Of HPV thing, like a lot of, and that's what makes you so amazing. I think you have this master's in public health. You're super into woo. I don't know. You're just one of the coolest people I've ever known. And oh, thank you. And I think you endeavor with this podcast having all these different 
areas of life experience, I think is really good. And it and also it equips you with being able to live life more freely and more fully if you are truly informed about things and you really understand. I mean, I didn't, I thought that I would never date again. I was convinced I was going to get cancer. I did have the cancer strain. Um, It was horrifying. And like, you know, it took me a few months to even want to have sex again. It, it's because someone stealthed me. A young man slipped his condom off while we were having sex. Oh. Is what happened. That's the part of it that... Um, that's a violation. Yeah, yeah, that's the part of it that I would like to undo. Um, no, and that's that's real. I no, and that is fucked up it. and unacceptable, but I gotta say that you can get it even using condoms. Wow. It's just... it's. Herpes and HPV are both transmitted via skin contact. So wow, I didn't know that about the skin contact. Yeah. So but, the the thing with him, that's honestly that's sexual assault, and that's fucked up. And I'm sorry yeah. that that happened to you. It, oh, we chopped it up. He and I went through all of that. We yeah. chopped it up. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's a loaded question, but you know, it's <laughs> we all have someone we wish we could unfuck. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's let's uh take this onto a happier note. What was one of the best dates of your life? One of the best dates of my life. Yeah, we went we went downtown. We went to the Manhattan, which is this old dive bar on Hot Corner. It used to be a Black-only establishment back when Athens downtown was segregated. Oh, my God. Um, the building is still owned. The building is still owned by the same Black family that owned it. Um, they're the only Black business owners in downtown. Oh, wow. We went to the Manhattan. We had some drinks. I had just shaved my legs, and he thought my legs felt amazing. Mm. I just remember sitting out there, and I was drinking a bourbon and spicy ginger ale and just hands running up my leg. Oh, that's so sexy. It was Yes, it was just a beautiful moment. And then we went back to this person's home and he bought a very, very nice bottle of wine. And I love wine. I don't need people to trick their dough on me, but if you spend over $20 on a bottle of wine for me, like you're at least getting your dick sucked. Like that's amazing. Yeah, I love, that's like I, smooth. Yeah, that's getting yes. smooth, you know? Yes. And so yeah, we had amazing sex. I watched Kroll show for the first time. That Kroll night. show? I don't know that show. It's a uh, Nick Kroll. He's a comedian. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, he, he used to have a show. He Dave Chappelle it in the sense that he only had two or three seasons. Yeah, but they are they are amazing. But yeah, that was probably the best day, just in the sense that it was a beautiful day. I felt super beautiful that day. I've never thrown away the clothes I wore that day. Oh, that's so that's <laughs> I, like romantic. Yeah, yeah, I still I still have that skirt and that top because whenever I see them together, I just remember how much of a fucking babe I look like in that outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But it was one of those days where I just, I love this town. I love Athens. It's a beautiful town. We went to my favorite part of Athens. You know, we were patronizing a locally owned business owned by people, by persons of color and dude was a beast in bed. The sex was wonderful. That's amazing. You got to hold on to those, those moments. (laughs) And I know what you mean. Sometimes like if I have a date where like the sex is really good, I don't want to wash my panties. I just want to like frame them. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Like commemorative dirty panties. Yes. I need this. That skirt is like full of holes. Like I've got to throw that skirt away, but it like, it just hangs on my booty just right. (laughs) But you know, it's okay. Hey, you can, you can yeah. keep that. It's like, okay, Marie Kondo says, does it spark joy? It sparks joy. You don't have to throw it away. Absolutely. Okay. On to one of the worst dates of your life. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, I know the date. This was Valentine's Day, 2009. I was dating someone who at the time, I did not understand that he was an alcoholic. This guy was drunk all the time. It was his birthday. We're at KatsuCon, which is an anime convention that happens in uh, the DC metro area. So we had gone there. It was Valentine's Day. It was the weekend. And this was actually the first Valentine's Day where I was dating someone, where I actually had a partner. And so I had put on this really awesome, like, pink top of mine and like black jeans and boots and put on a little bit of makeup and I went to the convention and he was doing the thing where you get free entry if you work as a setup takedown crew sure but that also meant that he was sharing a room with five other guys oh god yeah so I go there all dolled up for Valentine's Day. He is passed out drunk on the bed. I walk into this room. There are clothes everywhere. Everyone's also watching the premiere of that TV show, Dollhouse. That was- Oh, it that was, show was so creepy. I know, it was and really- everyone's like, everyone's like, Joss Whedon's such a feminist. And I'm like, he- Where? Yeah, he made a show about these women who basically like black out and are raped while they're black out and it's supposed to be sexy. Like that show was awful. Yeah, Joss Whedon, is the furthest fucking thing from a feminist. If you would have like to have an episode where we talk about him, let's because I have a lot. Okay, of I'm gonna opinions. I'm gonna make a note. That's gonna be for the Patreon. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I really hate Joss Whedon. I think he is. I he do is, too. And I feel like he's like James Dean, the porn star, where like everyone is like, oh, he's this wonderful feminist, and it turned out he was a total rapist. And he was like, yeah. well, I never said I was a feminist. And it's like, don't project that fantasy onto a trash garden yeah. man. I just made a note that said roasting Joss Whedon with Bonita. <laughs> we can absolutely do We're that. We're going to have a bonus episode. I'm excited for this. Um, but yeah, so okay. anyway, Sorry. I go up there. He's passed out drunk. Well, okay. It's kind of late at night. I don't, you know, like I, I actually wasn't too horrified by that but he realizes I'm there. So his friends are like, oh, hey, uh, Benita's here. You know, you need to get up. And he kind of gets up and, you know, zombie-like gets up. He is so drunk, he can barely walk. I tell him, I'm like, hey, buddy, you're real drunk. Like, we don't have to, you know, we can just hang out here. Let's just chill here. Let's smoke a joint. You know, let's hang out. He's like, no, 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 it's Valentine's Day. I have to do something. And so the hotel had a a rooftop hotel that like spun. It's like a, he, a restaurant or a bar or something? Yes, that's what I meant. Yeah, a restaurant. One of those spinning rooftop oh, yeah, yeah. restaurants. And so we go there. He refuses to close his shirt. He was wearing a button-down Hawaiian shirt that was oh. completely unbuttoned, and he had a pair of steampunk goggles on his head. Oh, God. He sounds like <laughs> such a douche. <laughs> such a douchebag. And he refused to close his shirt. I kept being like, hey, we're going to walk into this very nice restaurant. Could you button your shirt up? He's like, no, Seriously. no, no, it's fine, it's fine. Nobody cares, no one will care, no one will care. I'm like, yes, people are going to fucking care. Please button your shirt. I tried to kind of do the cute girlfriend thing where I button it for him. He wouldn't let me do that. He just kind of, no, it's fine, it's fine. So we sit at the bar. Uh, he gets another drink. We eventually get seated. He orders a bowl of soup. I end up getting a real meal. But we sit there the entire time. He is, his head is wobbling on his neck because he's so drunk and he will not close his shirt. It's horrible. And so then we go back to the hotel room. All of his boys have like left. So I think we decided, oh, this is our opportunity. We try to have sex. He's sharing this room with five other people who also have their girlfriends and whatnot there. So people are 
consistently knocking on the door, trying to come inside, you know, so I'm repeatedly, you know, we were able to fuck for like five minutes and then I have to throw the sheet over my head so someone can come in and dig through their luggage. This happens like five times. Eventually he just kind of goes down on me. The TV was on while he was going down on me and I hate to admit it, but I realized that Star Trek, Star Trek First Contact was playing, which is probably my favorite next generation Star Trek movie. Yeah. So I start watching Star Trek First Contact over his head. I love Alfred Woodard. He's an amazing actress. Absolutely. Um, I'm just <laughs> watching this over his head. I think he realized that I was watching it over his head or something because then he wanted to like do a bunch of other stuff where I couldn't watch TV. Because like, yeah, just, the, the movie was better than, than his. Yeah, it really yeah. was. And he really iced the cake. I don't know why this pissed me off so much at the time. But he iced the cake when we were about to go join everybody at the bar or something. And, you know, he'd just gone down on me and, all right, we're just going to go there. It was Red Wings. I was on my period. <gasps> His beard is full of my womb. Oh my and this God. motherfucker, this motherfucker won't wipe his face off. Oh, God. Venus, he wanted to go down there with his face still. And so so I end up having to get a rag and wet this rag and wipe up and wipe his, wash his face off. He just, he was just so drunk that he was, I don't know if he thought that he was going to be this really cool dude walking around this hotel bar with red wings on, or if he really thought that I thought it was a compliment that he just loved my smell and taste so much that he wanted it on him. But it made me feel some type of way that he wanted to go out in public like that. Yeah, um, that's that's really like it's just straight up unhygienic and biohazardous. Yeah. Like if he yeah. had some pussy juice in his beard, like whatever. But like blood. Yes. Like, wash your damn face. That's disgusting. I, I dumped him seven days after that. Yeah, I think that was yeah. a good call. Okay, what is your favorite music to get it onto? My favorite music to get it onto would be. Certain sludge, drone, doom bands. I really love. Uh, there's are there genres of metal? Yes, these are these are subgenres of heavy metal. There's a band called Wolves in the Throne Room. They're from the Pacific Northwest. A band that a lot of people are familiar with is Sun, and that's S U N N. They have their own brand of speakers, <laughs> their own oh, brand wow. of amps that are specifically made for these super low, super loud sort of musical forms. Um, there's also Earth, but my favorite is definitely, is definitely this band called Ohm, and Ohm has members from another band called Sleep. Sleep is my favorite. Yeah, I've seen Sleep twice in my life. They're amazing. Uh, Al Cisneros, he's the bassist for Sleep. His project, Ohm, their album, Conference of the Birds, is amazing. That is the best sex music. It's just, it's very sparse, atmospheric, you can really get, you can just really get in the mood and get lost. And all of Ohm's albums, I think, are great. Their inspiration often comes from religious imagery and from different mm. religions, which, you know, sort of touches on my fetish of just kind of thinking those things. Sure. Yeah, St. Anthony the Great, he's also someone I'd like to go back in time and fuck. He was the first monastic, but uh, he was in Egypt. That's where he had his hermitage. And so the album 
Conference of the Birds, their inspiration is all from the ancient Egyptian religion. The first track, I believe, is called At Giza. This sounds amazing, actually. Like, I wouldn't think of, like, heavy metal being something I'd want to fuck to. But what you're describing sounds pretty great, actually. Oh, it's amazing. You can absolutely hear the influence of, like, if you've ever heard, like, a Greek Orthodox or, like, a Coptic prayer or something. Comrades of the Birds really reminds me of that. You know, there's only two or three notes happening in there. Yeah, kind of like, yeah, that gets you into that kind of trance state. Yes, it's very trancey. Cool. Um, Conference of the Birds is my number one sex music. And also the guy, Mr. Red Wings, fucking hated that record. Fuck him. Okay, last question. What's something that's not normally considered sexy that really turns you on? Selflessness. I think that it kind of touches on the fact that I find monastics and hermits so attractive. I'll go ahead and say that I am probably 80% atheist, 20% agnostic. I just tend to be a very tangible, very like, can I put my hands on it person? To me, there is something so touching about someone who fully puts their faith in the intangible and does that to the point that they would change everything about their life and about the way they live it to pray for your soul. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when I really started wanting to really understand what drives people to monasteries and whatnot when they would all talk about that and I watched a documentary about these nuns they're called the poor Clares and they live a cloistered life they literally have no contact with the outside world and they talk about their relationship with God and Jesus like a marriage they have these very sensual ways of describing when when they reach those moments of ecstasy and prayer and they talk about it in this very sensual and physical way you know St. Teresa is it St. Teresa of Avila I'm not sure, but there's the Bernini sculpture of St. Teresa on fire. You should look that up and you should hear what St. Teresa has to say about, you know, she had a vision of God, basically. This woman, Teresa, had a vision of God. And she talks about this angel who pointed this fiery arrow at her and how it pierced her and how her entire body was on fire and aflamed oh, with like, and then the, with the love of God. And you should find that Bernini sculpture because that sculpture was actually very um, controversial in its day because St. Teria looks like she's coming. Oh yeah. Her face, like she's got this very ecstatic look on her face and she just kind of leaned back in ecstasy in the arms of this angel. And this angel is pointing an arrow. And I swear to God, that arrow is pointing at her pussy. I really do think it is. And so- <laughs> Probably is. <laughs> yes. And so to me, there's something, and I think not just wanting to fuck religious people, but sure. I tend to be really attracted to people who are activists. I'm attracted to people who are radicals. I'm attracted yeah. to people who to people who live their politics and people who are willing to trade some of their privilege or some of their comfort to help out the rest of the world. I'm really turned on by people who give a damn. I find it really sexy. If I'm walking down the street with someone and I'm debating whether or not I'm going to fuck you, it's probably a good idea to give a homeless person a dollar or to or to hand over your your leftovers you know like if you see me walking down the street with leftovers you can ask for my food and I'll give it to you I just really like people who care enough to make themselves a little bit more uncomfortable I think that's sexy and I think that that should be rewarded 
when it comes to creating the world that we all want, we're going to need levels of positive reinforcement. We are going to need to really encourage each other and, and stay behind each other. And for me personally, part of that is like really curating the people that I want to date or I want to fuck. Yeah, you know, they really like have voting to... with your pussy. Basically. Yes, I love that. Oh my God. Yes, I vote. I vote with my pussy. Absolutely. I think that's so yeah. Smart. Yeah. And as much as we might fantasize about fucking problematic people, we don't really need that. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, so I had this former partner where we were, we had gone out on a date and had this really nice dinner. We didn't have leftovers, but like, you know, I was approached by a homeless person who was clearly really suffering and I gave him $5. And my partner was like, how do you know he's not just going to spend that on drugs? And I was like, look, if that's what gets him through a night of sleeping on the street in Chicago, he can spend it on whatever he wants. I chose to give him that money. It's his money now. I don't give a fuck what he does with it. And he was like, well, I donate to charities that are vetted. And, and I'm like, and you're paying their overhead. You're paying for them to rent an office. You're paying their staff. Like how much of your money actually goes to people in need? And I'm not saying that charities are bad, but I'd rather just help someone directly. I don't view it as like I'm enabling them to be an addict of that. And then there's no guarantee they're an addict anyway. But even if they are, this is survival we're talking about. You that, can't judge anyone for surviving if they're like that desperate, you know? Yeah. And that's something that if you want to know what I find to be really unsexy, it's that sort of yeah, that attitude. Yeah, lack I've, of empathy. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, that was the last question. Um, let's talk a little bit about your projects. If you have social media, just share with yeah. our listeners how they can read your column and okay. submit a question maybe. Yeah. Well, if you live in Athens, Georgia, you can pick up a flagpole magazine at our many, many newsstands. Um, I know that that's probably damn near impossible right now. So if you go to flagpole.com slash advice, you will find uh, my column there. If you would like to send me a question, send me a comment, you want to chop something up, you just go to flagpole.com slash get advice, all one word. And that's the anonymous form. You can reach me there anonymously. I will get no information except what you actually put in the form. If you would like to email me directly so that we can speak privately, which some people do, my email address is advice at flagpole.com. I do have Twitter. It's at flagpolebonita. It is not very active. I'm just not very active on Twitter, but give me a reason to be. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. We're going to wrap it up. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. You have a great one too. If you speak to your client who is here locally, just tell them that Benita says, hey, and I really, really, really appreciate him paying attention. For sure. It's really nice to have that validation. Bye-bye. Bye. Dirty Panties Podcast is produced by me, Venus Valentine. Our sound engineer is Kirsten Johnson. Our theme music is Euphoria by Desac, and that's spelled D-E-C-E-K. And you can find more of their smooth music on Spotify or Bandcamp. Pedro Rocio designed our beautiful cover art. We release new interviews every other Wednesday. If you've enjoyed the show, and would like to show your support, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That will help other listeners more easily find our show. You can also visit our Patreon at dirtypantiespodcast.com. You can help support the show for as little as $5 a month and get some cool swag and bonus content in the process. I also post transcripts of each episode to the Patreon, 
completely free of charge. So feel free to check that out. If you'd like to follow me on social media, go to bbwvenusvalentine.com and you'll find all of my links. Until next time, stay dirty.